Uh, we're talking about how to have fun in our marriage. How to have fun in our marriage. And some of you today are like, I have the opposite of fun in my marriage. So this is going to be interesting. Um, and we want to speak to that. We want to really delve into that. Every sitcom that we watch tells us that there's no way you can actually have fun in marriage. How you have fun is make fun of dad who's an idiot. That's, that's basically what we're taught right now. If you watch The Simpsons, if you watch you know, Home Improvement, if you watch anything, those are old school ones, but if you watch any of them, they're all about how stupid dad is, how stressed out mom is. And that might be reality for you. But let's change that a little bit. Moms, just keep straight faces right now, poker faces. <laughs> all right. We want to have fun in our marriage. We want to have fun together. It doesn't matter if we're newlyweds. We've been married 40 years. We want to have fun in these relationships. There's something very interesting that happens in our relationships. I feel like there's a certain chemicals that are released when we first start dating someone. And some of the teenagers in here right now, I'm like, it's all, what do you mean have fun? You got to try to have fun? I don't want to get old. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're thinking about that. They know, it's just something that happens is when you've been with someone for a while, those chemicals aren't actually released in your brain anymore. Because those chemicals are there so that you have babies. That's why they're there. But what happens when that stuff stops and you go, hey, I don't really even know this person, and I'm not convinced I like them. But we got these three kids (laughs) and a mortgage payment. And you're like, what? So we want to kind of address that today, okay? That's where we're going to go uh, and deal with. The theme verse for this whole series is found in Lamentations 3.19, which is a depressed book. It is a cranky book. Great place to find stuff for marriage, right? All right. Lamentations 3.19 says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Some of you, I've just described your marriage and it gets better. Are you ready? All right. I will remember them. My soul is downcast within me. It's not a very uplifting book. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, that from this moment on, things can be different. From this moment on. On from this day forward. It's where we get the title for the whole series. From this day forward, things can be different. I can't do anything about your past. I can't change the junk. I can't change the missteps. I can't change your poor decisions. But from this day forward, we can change how our attitudes and how our trajectory goes from this day forward. Make sense? That's what we're doing. There's five different steps in this from this day forward idea. They're found... Uh, in the Bible, but they're also found in a book, great book that we're kind of following along with by Craig and Amy Groeschel, named From This Day Forward. It is excellent. Uh, I would urge you to pick it up and read it on your own. It also has a study guide with it, so we'll be examining that later to see if we're going to do a uh, life group with it, maybe in the fall. Uh, But yeah, the five points are this. Number one, seek 
God first. Seek God first. Seek God first. This is the foundation which all the rest of it is based on. These five principles are found by a Harvard study that if you do these five things, instead of having a 50-50 chance of getting a divorce, you multiply your chances of having a lifelong relationship with your spouse 625 times. That's a lot. I'm not good at math, but I'm thinking those are better odds. Number two, fighting fair. We talked about this last week. Some of you took a whole bunch of notes. I was proud of you. I didn't see any elbows thrown throughout the whole message. Good job. Uh, but we want to we we delve into this. How do we fight fair? Three, have fun. That's today's message. How do we have fun in our marriage? Next week will be staying pure. Stay pure. Then we'll conclude with never give up. 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 How do we set this foundation for how do we have fun in our relationship? Let's, let's tear that down and start to have, how do we really build this foundation of relationship? Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20 says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. If you have your Bible out, underline, choose life. Some of you that gave a panic attack to you that I told you to write in your Bible, I understand. Highlight it, whatever you need, choose life. This is a choice, it's a choice every morning Every day. Today, I'm going to choose life. When we wake up in the morning, we have the opportunity to choose death or to choose life. Am I going to focus in on the negative and the bad and the junk and the, all the crud in my past? Or am I going to choose life and think on the good things and how God has redeemed me and God has a plan for me and God has set me apart and thank him for the people in my life? Do we choose death or do we choose life? It's a fundamental decision that starts our day every day. Maybe you need to make that decision after your first cup of coffee. I get that. But choose life. A couple things that are life-giving relationships we want to focus in on. Life-giving relationships look to God as the source of their life. Life-giving relationships look to God as the source of of their life. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but it's worth coming back and worth writing down. Your spouse or your relationship partner or whatever that, wherever you're at in the dating paradigm, compliments you and does not complete you. Spouses compliment, not complete. This is a flaw that we are taught over and over again in all of our songs and all of our movies, and Nicholas Sparks has got it wrong, that our spouses complete us. You complete me. What was that an old Tom Cruise movie? I used that line maybe once or twice, but it's totally theologically wrong and emotionally wrong. If your spouse completes you, you will be destined to be disappointed. Because one day, it might not happen for years, but you will find out that they have flaws. 
That might be a shock to you today. Spouses compliment, not complete. And this is one thing that Kelly and I had to work through because we were high school sweethearts. And when you're a high school sweetheart, you are very much in the completing part. That's just where your brain goes, oh, you know, you got all that stuff. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Spouses compliment, not complete. We do this. Kelly compliments me incredibly well. My weaknesses are her strengths. It just, it works out. God has put her in my life. We, we do all kinds of things that she compliments me great, but she does not complete me. That is God's job. Then complete me emotionally and spiritually. Not my wife's. She compliments me. And so many times we get that confused and we mess it up. <laughs> and we, we get so far away from it. We have to think about that and think maybe even critically about our marriage and say, have I put my spouse, maybe it's even a good marriage, have I put my spouse in a place where they complete me instead of compliment me? Just emotionally and where they're at in the hierarchy of my life. Because unfortunately, if they are in the completing phase, they're actually an idol in your life. And your marriage cannot survive having idols in it, no matter what it is. If it's work or money or a sports team or a hobby or whatever it is, your marriage will not thrive in a place where there's idols present. And sometimes your spouse even becomes that idol. Spouses compliment, not complete. Life-giving relationships happen when two servants are in love. Write this down, write this down. You should be taking notes today. Life-giving relationships happen when two servants are in love. And some of you are saying, Jared, I got one servant in my relationship. I, I, I understand, I understand. One servant will work. No servants won't work. Okay? Okay? Optimum is two servants. And a great book on this whole idea, there's two of them actually. Uh, you guys are like, man, he, just, he wants me to read. Get at the audio book. It's okay, all right? There's a great book, two great books on this. The first one is called The Love Dare. Now, you may, this was a very popular movie a couple years ago in Christian circles called Fireproof. But Love Dare is basically a little journal of 30 days of different ways in which you can serve your spouse. Just little simple things. You just do one thing a day. Even if you don't feel like it, you do it. I'm in the middle of doing P90X. I know you can tell, right? right, But I am. And uh, I'm on day 21. I don't want to go the other, how many days are left? I'm done. Today's a stretching day. Thank you, Jesus. My knees don't want to bend. I I feel like I'm 90. But but I got to go on. I got to move on if I want to get the results that I want. If you try to love there, I guarantee you by like day 10, you're like, I can't stand this man. Keep on going, press through, press through, press through, press through. Second book I want to talk about was The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. This is a New York best time seller. It has been for like 30 years. It's like the Bible, purpose-driven life, five love languages. Like those are the three top sellers that the New York Times has ever seen. Move over John Grisham, move over Tom Clancy. I don't know if we're applying the principles in life, but we sure buy the books, okay? <laughs> Read that thing. Now, you may say, 
Five love languages has to be taken appropriately. And I've had conversations with some of you guys in this room. Like, this is stupid. Five languages. Guys want physical touch. Women want quality time. We're done. Why do I have to read the 200-page book? <laughs> right? Right? right. Here's, the, here's the problem with five love languages, if they're used inappropriately, is they become five ways to manipulate. And we don't want five ways to manipulate. We want five ways that two servants can excel in love. We want five ways that one servant can fall in love. We want five ways that two non-servants can start to become servants and fall in love. Do you, you see what I'm, what I'm doing there? What five love languages do, and here's the five love languages, and they have these for kids. They get five love languages for your dog, man. They, they've made it. They have, they have Christianized that thing to no, no end. I used to work for Family Christian Bookstore. You could have ducks, and you slap a Christian slogan on it. Oh, it's Christian now. I don't know, but five love languages work. I promise you, tell you that. Here we go, five love languages. First is acts of service, acts of service, acts of service. Second one is physical touch, physical touch. The third is quality time, quality time, quality time. The fourth is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. And the fifth is gifts. Gifts. Now, some of you, I've, I put this paradigm in to almost anybody that I talk to. Especially like volu- uh, you know, team members, volunteers. I will start thinking about their spiritual, gi- or their gifts of, their spiritual gifts, but also their, their love languages. I know to Kevin, gifts is the farthest thing from his love language that there possibly could be. He just doesn't care. And he's like, oh, it's my mom's birthday three months ago. I think I'm going to get it for her now. I'm sorry, Claire. I'm sorry. That's just the way it happens. I'm like, how could you do that? How does your mother not kill you? (laughs) So he's still alive. Maybe it's not her her love language either. She just deals with it, one of the two. Uh, But you you get to know people, and you're like, okay, okay, okay. How does that work? And you start to see this and how they respond to things. Five love languages is a way in which to connect your heart deeper with the person. And sometimes we're wired in a way in which they are different. And you wonder where, and this is what happens when those, those hormones and those chemicals stop getting produced, is you start feeling like your two ships just, whoo. You're on the same couch, but you might as well be on two different planets, Right? And these things are ways in which to start making your worlds collide. Acts of service, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation and gifts. It's a great um, thing to kind of work through to start to see how can I be a better spouse to this person? Because I'm going to be honest, I miss quality time a lot. Quality time for me is like a, how you doing? Doing good? Okay. All right. We're out. Right? 30 seconds or less. Let's do this. Let's, okay, you got your quality time. We're out. And Kelly's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She just wants to be there. She wants to, wants to spend time. I'm like, <laughs> right? <laughs> Could we do something? It's just the, the, way it, the way it goes. Some of you are like, if you don't get gifts and you're married to someone who's a gift, you're like, why are you spending money on me on this stupid thing? You know, you get mad about this. This is the way in which they're trying to express their deepest love for you. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that and reciprocate. All right. 
This comes, and I want to focus back in on this manipulation part of the five love languages. Because I think this also hints on something that we do often in our marriages and how we use this, everything that we're talking about in a healthy way takes us to the next level in our marriage. Healthy relationships between a wife and a husband look like this. They want to serve. They want to please. They want pleasure. They're wanting to expand your connection. Healthy relationships revolve around those things. Healthy sexual relationships revolve around these things. With an attitude not of, I got to get mine or I want this, it is wanting to serve, wanting to please, wanting to pleasure, wanting to expand your connection. That's how healthy relationships are based on. Unhealthy sexual relationships use sex for gifts. Use sex for time. Use sex for security. Use sex for leverage. That when sex becomes a commodity in which to be moved around to get something that you want, it, that is not what it's designed for at all, and it becomes incredibly unhealthy. In fact, I would go as far to say when you use sex as a commodity, that sounds an awful lot like prostitution. And when we bring that into our marriage, we defame the marriage bed. And we destroy the beauty that God has put in there for us. Sex is designed for two things. Well, actually for one thing. It is designed for new life. Sex is designed for new life. It is the act in which makes a baby. If you didn't know that, spoiler alert. But it also breathes new life. Healthy sex makes a baby and it brings new life into your marriage. It is designed for new life. God designed it that way in which to enrich our relationships. Life-giving relationships make the choice every day. The choice to say, I am going to connect with this person today. Every day. There's three kinds of fireplaces in the world. There's a wood-burning fireplace, a gas uh, fireplace, or fake fireplaces. And then there's the hybrid gas-starting wood fireplaces. You guys know this. You've seen these. In Georgia, I had a wood and gas combo. I had the flume. I had the chimney. And uh, we had the ugliest gas fireplace in the history of gas fireplaces. It was basically like someone put the kitchen burner in a fireplace and... (laughs) Yeah, it was just horrible. Uh, And so I, uh, which I don't know why I didn't get... um, help with this one, Eric. I don't understand because it was gas. It was going to be on fire. I probably should have got a professional to take care of this. I didn't blow up my house, (laughs) but but it was possible. The Holy Spirit is real and live and active. Um, And so so what we had was this ugly, ugly, ugly thing, and then I took that out, capped it off, and had a real fireplace, except that's a lot of stinking work. 
to get the fire going, to get it started, to keep on feeding it, to do all these different things. That's a lot of work. And so then I saw this thing about having a gas starting fireplace. This is a beautiful thing. You get the gas starters popped down there. You turn it on for about three minutes, turn it off. You don't have to pay a big gas bill, and you didn't have to do as much work to get the fire started. Here I have a fake gas fireplace. I couldn't put wood in there. If I wanted to, I'd burn my house down. But when you deal with these three different kinds of things, let's look at them really quickly. A wood-burning fireplace is a lot more work. It's hard to get it started, but you get the payoff is huge, isn't it? You get the smell. You get the crackle. You get the moving flames. You get the rug in front of it. You get the, mm, right? the ambiance. It's nice. You get, the, you get a gas fire starting place. You're like, honey, would you like a fire? She's like, yeah, I'd like a fire. <laughs> I made a fire. You know a man made that one, right? A man totally made that one. Man was like, oh, the bonus, and that can be done in 30 seconds. This is great. A gas starting fireplace. Now, this is where we want to be at. This is where we want to be at because, look, it takes a little bit of work. You still got to go outside. You still got to get the fire. You still get the beauty. You get the crackle. You get the smoke. You get the sounds. You get the sights. But you also have the, the quick ignition. Sometimes in our relationships, when we make the choice every day, it's like having a gas starter in your fireplace. You make the choice every day. We didn't have to, like, all of a sudden, oh, I guess I'm going to love this person. I guess... You know, they did do a few things right today. They're not a total moron. You, you're not already to that point. You're not overcoming a negative, like make with a wood-burning fireplace. You're, those things are not on fire. They are filled with energy, filled with potential. But it's work to get it started. When we choose, we make this choice every day, we've already installed that gas starter, and it's, whoom, I can turn on the flame of our marriage Anytime I want to. Now I caution against the easy, quick of a gas fireplace as well. And that's got its own negative connotations with it. But think about marriage and this idea of if I choose every day to love this person, to have a life-giving relationship with them, I'm choosing this. It's like having a gas starter already in place in your marriage. We're going to have fun in our marriage. I want to have fun in our marriage. And there's three ways in which we break down our kind of life and how we can have fun in our marriage. They're emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And we're going to delve into each one of those three here in the remainder of our time together. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, and this is the New Living Translation, live happily with the woman you love through all your meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. The NIV version says, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. It's, it's for enjoyment, to have fun together, to explore life together, to enjoy the way in which this world goes together. Live happily with the woman you love. She is your reward. Number one, emotionally. Let's have fun emotionally. How do we do that? 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9 says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. 
Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Blessing to this you were called so that you may inherit blessing. We don't repay evil for evil. We repay it with what? With blessing. It's a huge shift in how the world works and maybe even how our relationships work emotionally. How do we do this? There's three different kinds of times we're going to talk about. We do it, men, with face-to-face time. Face-to-face time. Women are like, yes, this is exactly what I want. I want one-on-one time with my hubby. We can talk about our heart stuff. We can have these great conversations, and you have dreams of what those should look like. Guys are going, don't make me do that. Don't make me do that. Don't make me do that. This is not comfortable for a guy, girls. This is why we don't do it very often. It's just not comfortable. It's not how we're wired. But, but we need to. We need to do it. We need to reconnect with, with what made us fall in love with this woman in the first place. The first time that we went out on a date and we was across the booth from her and we, we kind of got to know her. Our, I know my wife incredibly well. I know what she's going to say before she says it. I know her reactions to jokes before they're even going to happen. I, Jimmy's like, oh my goodness, the man knows his wife. Because he's like this spectator in our relationship sometimes. And he's sitting there at the, at the uh, bistro table like, how did that work out? And I'm going to say, listen, Kelly's going to say this when this happens. And I'll initiate the thing, and she does exactly what I said. He's like, how does that work? I know her. I've paid attention to the nuances. I've paid attention to her reactions. I can tell you, if I go out to lunch with somewhere with sweet potato fries, and we tell Kelly that, that place, we went to that place, the first thing she's going to say is, no sweet potato fries? It's the first thing that will come out of her mouth. And it's, it's happened over and over again. It's really funny. So we keep those things a secret. <laughs> Jimmy, you can help me or you can hurt me, buddy. It's just, you got a choice. Uh, emotionally, face-to-face time. How do you get to know them? How do you get to explore them? Because I don't know if you know this, guys, but women are very complicated creatures. And they change their minds so much, you get to know a new person all the time. <laughs> Kelly's not in here, neither is my mom, so it's okay. Which I'm very help- happy about that my mother's not in here today. I'm talking about sex, it's kind of weird, but that's okay. Um, I've actually thought about that going over the message. I was like, oh. Um. Come back, come back, come back, come back. Face-to-face time. This is when you, what are you thinking about? What are you... What do you want? What are your desires? When we retire, just play games. When we retire, we're going to be able to retire. That's just a joke in its own. But when we retire, what would you like to do with our time? Ask that question. Ask open-ended questions. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? How would we do that? Not the, don't break that down into a fight over money. But what would you want to take a boat to that island? Would you want to fly to that island? How would you want to do that? When we were there, would you want to go exploring or you want to just sit on the beach all day? Ask the questions. You may know the answers, guys. Ask the questions anyway. Face-to-face time leads to side-by-side time. Side-by-side time is where guys are a little more comfortable. Side-by-side time is doing something together. Find a hobby that you can do together that neither one of you are good at. Uh, This is is important that neither one of you are good at. I know some of you guys are like, I'm good at everything. (laughs) No, you're not. Just ask your wife. Um, (laughs) Side by side time, find something. Maybe, I don't know, it could be something really weird. 
It could be interesting. Just you two. The mocks do this. I had lunch with the mocks. This is really cool to me. I, this stuck with me. They decided they were going to golf together. They, just, they took lessons together. They said, we're going we're gonna to golf together. They just, we're going to learn. Like three or four years ago, they decided we're going to do golf together. And so now Steve takes a day off, you know, once a month in the summer, whole day. It's like, it's golf day, babe. It's golf day. We're going to go golf. We're going to have lunch. We're going to golf. It's going to be great. I don't know if either one of them any good. Does it matter? Absolutely not. What a cool shared experience, right? Now, if I did that, Kelly would hit me with a club, but that's, uh, here they're here, they're there. They have a great marriage, apparently. <laughs> But we, we find things that, oh, maybe we enjoy. Maybe nobody else, maybe nobody in your circle of friends would ever want to do that thing. But you share that experience together. I have friends in Georgia that their spouses and them go to the, the shooting range. I am not arming my wife. <laughs> I think that would keep the arguments down in your marriage. She knows how to shoot a Glock and I bought her one. What was I thinking? Uh, so... Anywho, uh, that wasn't in my notes either. But find, find a shared experience that you can explore together. Maybe, I don't know what, what it could be for you guys, but um, everyone is so different. Kelly and I are constantly trying to figure out new ones because we kind of, you know, we've talked through that. All right, we've, we've, we've done that. We're kind of over that part. Okay, let's go to a new thing. Netflix is great for this, just on TV shows. Some of you are binge Netflix watchers. But we find a show that, our first show that Kelly and I like to watch together, and then we kind of talk about it, was West Wing. It's an older show, but we, we had the boxes on DVDs, and we watch it, and we're like, do you agree with a, we would have this whole governmental politic talk on, because of the show. So we got to know each other, what we thought about how the politics worked. You guys are like, that sounds incredibly boring. Maybe to you, it was our thing, so don't judge me. Side-by-side stuff. This is, a lot, this is really good for, uh, for men. Men do a lot better. They don't do so good with the face-to-face stuff. But when I actually get to do something, now, now, now I'm engaged a little bit more. Does that make sense? All right. Now, face-to-face time leads to side-by-side time, which leads to belly-to-belly time. Okay? That's how it works. You get the order wrong, you're messed up. You get the order wrong, you get, you get messed up. And that's where you get disappointed and you get frustrated and all this stuff. No, 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 no. Stick with the order. You will have more belly-to-belly time. I'm trying to help you out here. Second, physically. We have fun physically. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Solomon was a player. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. I mean, come on, you can hear his game just coming out right there. There's a book in the Bible. We have tried to make it not about sex, but it is all about sex. Song of Solomon is about Barry White. Just play it in the background when you're reading it. It just, and that's what it's all about. The book uh, from this day forward, it, this whole message and this whole chapter is all Song of Solomon quotes. I pulled this out of that. That was a little too far for me. Um, but when you're reading on your own time, uh, you can go there. But uh, I, I, was, I, I was embarrassed just reading it. So I was like, oh, I'm going to stop. Um, but Song, Song of Solomon is all about that. And we've done ourselves a disservice in the church when we've been like, can't talk about sex, can't, can't, can't get into that at all. 
When there's a book of the Bible, one of the 66 most important things that God is trying to download into us is all about a loving relationships between a man and a woman. And we said, ah! There was a time in the church's life that the, the, the priest mandated that you could only have, make love to your wife on Tuesday evening. That was the only time that that was allowed, and it could only be for procreation. It could not be for personal enjoyment. I always find it interesting when men who can't have sex are telling people that are married when to have sex. That always does, breaks down a little bit. But there was a time, and that's a faulty attitude that, our, that church and what we think about Christianity, that we, we taboo it so much that we don't talk to our kids about it. We don't talk to even our, each other about it. And so then it becomes this, this big, weird thing that we're like, I can't touch it, and I don't know, and I don't understand, and it's awkward, and it's suffering, and my marriage is suffering because of it. We've got to be bold enough to step in and say, listen, Song of Solomon is all about it. It's about this amazing love connection that may you always be intoxicated with her love. That isn't scripture. That is a blessing for us to try to live up to. What a a beautiful blessing to, to pray on someone who's getting married. May you always be intoxicated with their love. Isn't that cool? Have fun physically. That doesn't always mean sexually. Just have fun physically. Go do something together. Have fun together. Choose life. Choose to say, I'm going to have fun. Sometimes you have to do that when you're doing something you don't really want to. I am going to have fun. It's an attitude shift. Instead of being cranky, I don't want to go to the Cubs game. It's going to be hot. They don't even have bathrooms installed yet. I don't want to be here. No, I choose to have fun. Here's the thing about a Cubs game. If you go to a Cubs game or a Sox game or whatever, the Slammers game, it's a fun thing side by side. Teach your wife or teach your husband how to keep score in the book. That'll keep you occupied. You're like, I am bored to death in a baseball game. If you're keeping score, you can't take your eyes off the game. I guarantee you, you'll be like, oh. If you're an analytical numbers person, you'll be like, oh, that's fun. Oh, they went three for one. And you'll get all into it, and you'll see baseball in a whole new math way, and you'll be excited. Worked for me, just telling you. <laughs> for my wife. I love baseball. She can do the whole numbers thing. Anyway, go. Meet physical needs regularly, joyfully, and playfully. Meet physical needs regularly, joyfully, and playfully. Not out of obligation, not because I have to, not because it's Tuesday night. Regularly, joyfully, and playfully. This, I read this this week, and this just slammed me in the head. Your spouse is the only legitimate option for sexual fulfillment. All the others are sinful. Your spouse is the only legitimate option for sexual fulfillment. So if we deny that aspect of our whole relationship, physical fulfillment will be sought out somewhere else. Your spouse is the only legitimate option for sexual fulfillment. Maybe you're looking for that fulfillment somewhere else. Maybe you're looking for it at a gym or your coworker or somewhere else you're at. I had to say this to that. 
If the grass looks greener somewhere else, water your own yard. You should write that down. Go ahead and get a Twitter account just to tweet that out. If your grass looks greener somewhere else, water your own yard. Craig Rochelle. I, I, didn't, I wish I could take credit for that pithy statement. It's not me. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Sometimes we start thinking, oh, it would be better with that person. That person gets me. I can have a conversation with that person. Oh, he actually pays attention to me. Oh, she's, she does this and she does that. No, water your own yard. Three, spiritually. Hebrews 3.1, brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. As we spiritually grow together, as we spiritually have fun together. There's something uh, I have done in my life when I felt our relationship maybe slipping. Is that I just started praying that I would fall more in love with Kelly. We might have one of those, those spots where it's just, it's rough. You know, those weeks, those months, those years where it's just hard. And you, you, you feel maybe disconnected. You feel like... Things aren't going so well. Where I have found the, the most benefit in all that. Yeah, I've read books and I do all these things because it's just my personality I am. But when I started really praying for her, not, oh, God, change your heart. She's so mean. Blah, blah, blah. That's not what I would say about Kelly. But I would pray, God, let me fall more in love with her today than I was yesterday. That's a beautiful prayer to start praying. And I pray that maybe three times, and all of a sudden, our relationships, I don't know if it's something that's changing in me. I don't know if God's acting in her heart. I don't really care. I just know that awesome changes happen when that prayer is said. And that's something that I pray, and I don't tell Kelly about it. It's not out loud. I don't tell her that she's driving me nuts. I'm praying that I fall in love with you again. I don't recommend that. Right? I pray that silently. I pray that on my knees. I pray that she walks out the door in the morning and I just like, God, let me fall in love with her. She'll be walking, getting ready to the day. Let me fall in love with her more today. And I bet that's a pretty good prayer to pray even when you're totally in love and you just love each other. God wants to respond to that prayer. He has a dream for your marriage too. He wants it to be as strong as it possibly can be. Pray you would fall more in love with him. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. You choose life. You choose your attitude in the marriage. You choose to let it go. And your feelings will follow. Even with the history, even with the baggage, even with the junk, you choose life and the feelings follow. From this day forward, I want life to be different. From this day forward, I want our marriage to be better. From this day forward, I want to have fun in our relationship. I want to quit using sex as a bartering tool. I want to quit you know, distancing myself from my wife. I want, to, I want to actually love her the way in which she was designed to be loved. Choices lead, feelings follow. Finally, God wants you to have fun in your marriage. It takes a few things. 
It takes being intentional. You have to work at this. This doesn't just fall out of a tree and go, oh, marriage got a whole lot easier. That does not happen. It takes work. It takes being intentional. For some of you that may be searching for a hobby, you're in a new face of life, and you're like, I don't really understand what's going on in my life. I'm just kind of going through the motions. I would even tell you, make your wife or your husband your hobby. Not your idol, but your hobby. How am I going to make this better? How am I going to bring them happiness today? How's this going to work? It's fun to figure out what works. Don't read the five love languages. Just know there's five of them. Try them. Gifts, acts of service, kind words. It's like a Pavlovian psychological experiment. If I start saying nice things to you, oh, man, you look so good today. How are you doing? Oh, you were, I can't believe how well you handled that thing. And you're going to see them all, oh, oh, like a puppy dog, wagging their tail and everything. That's a good thing if they're a girl. Um, <laughs> that wasn't supposed to come out. Uh, you guys don't even know all the things that are going on in this head. It's funny. It takes being flexible. Your agendas can change. This is probably where our arguments come out of the most, me and Kelly's, is where two immobile objects come together, there's a storm. I had this schedule, she had this schedule. Someone's got to be flexible. And the hope is that both of you will be flexible and figure it out. Bend with it. It takes being flexible. It takes being forgiving. It takes being forgiving. And finally, it takes being available. Be available. I want us to have fun in our marriages. I want to hear stories about how people have fun in their relationships. In fact, this week, if you would... um, Send me date ideas uh, locally around here. That'd be great. That'd help me out a lot. Um, but for all of us, I would love to just put those, you know, put it on the Shore Church of God Facebook thing. You got a great free, cheap date? Throw it up. Put it on there. Send it in an email to the office. We'd love to take them. We'll post them places. Because for me, being new here, I'm always looking up things. Jill posted something this week on Facebook about 35 free things you can do in Chicago. I was like, save that for later. Free is the price and good is the the object, right? I want to do things like that. I want to fall in love with this city. I want to fall in love with this place. How do I do that? How do I find that out? Be available. My prayer for us is that we would fall in love fresh with our spouses each day. That we would just be able to fall more in love with them. As we and some of you that are maybe single or looking at teenagers, just kind of figuring this whole stuff out, that when you approach your relationships and when you approach your marriage and when you approach all those things and say, put it through a filter, is this person my God right now? If they are, you probably need to break up. If you're married, that's not an option. Best thing I always did, my, mar- my uh, relationship series at at youth, were always my best. They're the ones that everybody remembered. I knew they were good when I caused like 15 breakups after the relationship series. I was like, got them. Right? That's the where you wanted to go. Are they your God? Are they your idol? 
You got to see where they are and how, how you deal with that and put it through that paradigm. How do we love them better? I pray that you make God the first priority in your life and apply these principles starting today, starting when the kids go down for a nap today at the afternoon. If they don't go for a, down for a nap, put on a Go Diego, start applying the principles. You can take that however you want. I meant for face-to-face time there, guys. Jeez, hey, get your minds out of the gutters. I don't understand. This is serious stuff. It's, it's big stuff. It's, it's really deep, intentional things. If we have struggling marriages all over this church. We have struggling marriages all over this community. What happens when a church starts to get marriages healthy? That is a very attractive thing to people. They want to know why, why is their marriage not a trash pit like my marriage? And I want our church to become a place where life is just given. Life is just comes out of our marriages. That we see people walking down the hall and they go, I can see the love just radiating off them. People want to be a part of that. And that is one way in which we can affect deep community change into Shorewood, Illinois. Apply these principles, not only just for yourself, but for the whole kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this glorious, glorious day. Lord, I, uh, I pray for our marriages. I pray for this time. I pray for these moments. I pray for the fights that have been happening in our marriages. I pray for these people. I pray for the broken hearts in this room that go, yeah, this is all well and good, Jerry, but I don't even want to touch them. God, that you would soften our hearts, that you would give us hope in our marriages. God, that you would bring to mind the things that we can do, the things that we first fell in love with that person about. God, I pray for every person in this room. They they would fall more in love with their spouse today than they were yesterday. I pray for the future spouses of the young people in this room, that you would prepare them and they have a pastor speaking life into them like we spoke today that we have a hope and a, and a future in our marriages, that we can be an example. We can be a city on a hill, in, in, even in the way we live our life, through our marriages. God, I ask you to change us and to shape us, to make you first in our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.